Welcome to Young PR Pros on the FIR Podcast Network. Young PR Pros is the podcast for the young and young at heart working in the world of public relations and communications. Here are your hosts, Christine Darbell and Julia Kent. Hello, podcast listeners. You are about to listen to episode 105. We recorded this episode a week before the federal election here in Canada. In this episode, we talk about PR moments that caught our attention during the longest campaign period in Canadian history. So, did we get it right? Were the trends correct? I guess Justin Trudeau won in selfies and in votes after all. gentlemen, welcome to Young PR Pros, a weekly podcast for the young and young at heart PR pros looking for tips and advice on how to build and advance their careers. I am Christine Darbell in Ottawa, Canada. And I'm Julia Kent, also in Ottawa. And I'm Ross Simmons in Halifax, Nova Scotia. So, uh, the big thing happening in Canada for us, and, and as we've all mentioned our location, all three of us are in Canada, the big thing that's going on in our country right now is we're in the midst of a federal election, which makes for some fun, you know, PR and communication stories to share. So... I kind of wanted to start off just curious of, you know, what you guys think of uh, the federal election so far. Is there a PR moment that kind of pops out for you right now that you found this is new, this is interesting, funny? Well, I definitely have one, but it's not necessarily new. I find it completely fascinating how Stephen Harper refuses to comment ever on his stance on abortion. And I think it is a very deliberate uh, strategy on his part. And I actually think it served him very well. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because you know what? I think I'm going to drop in, um, an interview right now, um, back in the spring of 2015. So earlier this year, I attended the University of Ottawa Public Relations Association conference. It was a full day conference. And one of the people we interviewed, his name was Dan Mader. He was the, the vice president or he is the vice president of national PR. He actually mentioned something very similar about Stephen Harper. What is the one PR or communications move or campaign that has really resonated with you throughout your career? So I was thinking about this, and I decided, you know, since I since I do come from a political background, I'm going to give a political example, which may be a little different from what other people might have might have raised. And I want to look at uh, the conservative campaign in the 2011 general election. You know, what did Stephen Harper do that won him a majority? He'd won two elections before had been able to convince a majority of Canadians or, uh, you know, to give him that that majority government. Uh, and what did he do? So he ran a very disciplined campaign. And I think, it, you know, a great example of message discipline, of picking a simple message and sticking to it. Even when a lot of people are trying to knock you off it, even when, you know, the initial reviews might not be so good, um, sticking to that message, sticking to your communication strategy and eventually it worked and delivered the victory that uh, that he was looking for. In PR, you have so many options, right? You can remain silent and say no comment. You can get at the forefront, which, um, you know, can either go, go either way for you. Um, you can, you know, delay comment. Um, I find it very interesting. So what he's doing by, by not commenting on abortion is he's leaving it very ambiguous. No one really knows what he thinks. 
And so the people that are pro-life may vote for him, and the people that are um, anti-choice may vote for him. Like, he's he's not pigeonholing himself. He's not giving somebody an opportunity to be like, oh, I can't vote for Stephen Harper because he's anti-choice. I find it very, very, very interesting where we're seeing the other leaders taking very strong stances mm-hmm. on every single issue. So yeah, I, f- I find that very, in- very, very interesting. That that's one thing that I certainly noticed from the last debate, the last French debate. Well, I think that's actually very typical to political communications, um, and it actually might be very similar in just the general PR and communications world. Um, if your opponent isn't taking a strong stance on something, then that can kind of give you an opportunity to take a strong stance, whether it's pro or or not, um, and kind of force your opponent to get into this debate. Now, obviously, Stephen Harper hasn't folded and he won't, um, but I mean... Uh, that's that's I think something that you see in all of the communications world. If if your competitor um, is very strong on something that you are very against, you might come out and and have a whole communications campaign around the fact that you don't believe in a certain thing, or you know the 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 way that, that what makes your company unique mm-hmm. is that you're opposite from your uh, your competitor, and that's the essence of political communications, right? Is how do you convince um, voters um why to vote for you well you say well i am so much different than that other person um and i believe in these certain things yeah they, they have to differentiate 100 percent. ross what do you yeah. think yeah i think the same thing's going on with the whole marijuana scene and yeah like definitely and yeah green and then conservatives and everyone trying to kind of identify what their position is on that um and i think yeah. people are taking the approach where silence can often be um, your best friend where you don't take a stance on something and then everybody kind of has to make their own assumptions based off of the information and track record of your party mm-hmm. versus kind of um, having a clear understanding of what it is that you would actually say. Um, right. I, I would agree that he's doing this intentionally to kind of, he's in an interesting position where by not coming out and making a clear um distinction of which side he stands on, uh, he's going to be able to get the bolts, the votes from both sides. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. Um, although he said, Stephen Harper said some ridiculous things about marijuana lately. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Probably. It's seen, and I heard something to this effect on CBC radio one yesterday. It's that they're, they're, the politicians seem to be using, um, topics like marijuana and the niqab and to kind of deter from the really important discussions. Yeah. Like our economy, like hello. Um, and it's strategic too. I mean, you look at what yeah. is shared mm-hmm. online, you look at what generates yep. yeah. yep. um, on the news and it's these topics that don't really have a lot of um, depth to them. Um, mm-hmm. And when Harper comes out and he says that he's, considering banning the kneecap and things like that, you can clearly see that it's a pure political game where he knows that those are the stories that will resonate with the majority of Canadians. Mm -hmm. And those stories get shared. They get written about. um, And people who are going to vote but are not necessarily that interested in the economy or interested in immigration or interested in things that actually matter are going to look at those stories and make their decisions based off of it. So he's going after um, the majority with these types of statements and it works because we look at the buzz feeds and the TMZs of the world 100%. And the sites that generate 
the most traction. Hundred percent, and and I because they hit that story. Yeah, and I made the comment um, recently when I was meeting with some political experts that I said it seems as though there's almost two campaigns going on here. There are the politically engaged and involved and educated that are you know actually interested in the very serious issues like the economy. Um, and then there are, and, and funding and budgets and stuff like that. Um, and then there is the social media uneducated Canadian that are really just looking at these surface issues that make it onto BuzzFeed or what have you. Um, and I feel as though more than ever since probably the Obama 2008 campaign, social media is literally creating this completely it's, it's almost like two simultaneous campaigns. Um, it's because you're right, Ross, people, the, the, the politicians are trying to get things, you know, online, um, to get coverage there. But I have to be honest. I mean, of my thousand Facebook friends, I would be willing to bet 70% of them are uneducated voters that will vote based on what they've seen on their Facebook feed or Twitter feed and don't really put the effort or have the interest in, really, really diving deep into what these party platforms truly mean. And I think that's one of the most, I think that's one of the other things that are, that is very interesting with the election right now. I don't think that we've reached the point where um, the internet and social media has even kind of come close to what the potential is and what it will eventually be able to do in terms of swaying votes. But recently there's been a lot of sites coming up, um, very grassroots where there's websites like Stop Harper, um, there's Mm -hmm. Right to Vote, which is a website that's trying to educate people on um, how they can vote from their school for the legislation that they're actually from. Uh, There's a lot of these grassroots websites that are starting to develop and campaigns that citizens are creating that are talking about things like strategic voting. So they're saying if you live in a certain place that's a swing um, district, you should change your vote so we can actually vote out Harper and things like that. So I think that that type of content, while I don't feel as if it's truly making a significant difference right now, because I still think young people have this misconception that their vote won't matter. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that over time, as people become more mature and understanding um, that their vote does matter, that they'll start to look at this content and the consumer and the general public will be able to actually make a significant impact in the results of an election. Absolutely. And, And on a side note, uh, on a side note, for for our international um, listeners, Canada also has a really big issue with voter apathy. Um, for example, and I'm, I'm I'm taking this based off of what I've heard on the radio, so I don't know how recent the stat was. Um, but our the during the yeah. last um, federal election, um, or it might have been the last one or the one before that, the voter turnout was under sixty percent. Which you look at other countries, and you know, voter turnout is over ninety percent of, of people who can vote show up. Um, so Canada also comes across with, and, and which is really neat to see some of these online um, grassroots uh, content and, and websites that are popping up that are trying to show or trying to get more people out to vote because we've got that issue, um, it, which might not be, you know, the same issue in, in another country. 
and uh, also just on uh, online and how you have a different campaign online. It's funny that you mentioned that because this morning on CBC Radio 1, there was a pollster who was talking about um, basically some of the stuff that pollsters are doing nowadays is no longer going out and, um, uh, you know, doing phone calls or, uh, you know, asking just regular voters on the phone about what they think they're going to vote and what do we, what do they think about certain topics. There are pollsters now that are actually going onto Twitter and on Facebook and on Google Plus and online and finding the conversations related to politics and pulling it out and giving that information directly to candidates. So, you know, the, it's not just the candidates that are strategically trying to communicate to our audience, but the industry pollsters are now also feeding that back, feeding that information back to uh, the candidates. So, you know, we're also perpetuating this this type of campaign because that's what we choose to talk about online and that's the information that candidates are getting. Um, if all of a sudden we all started to talk about the economy, um, pollsters would obviously pick that up and they would bring that back to candidates and candidates would be like, well, obviously we should start talking about the economy. So it's kind of this circle, right? We strategically, um, you know, polls, uh, candidates are strategically talking about things that are, you know, sexy online, but pollsters are also feeding that information back to them. It's true. And I mean, there are some groups that are talking about things like budgets and the economy and, you know, deficits, but yeah, you're right. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's the masses and, uh, it is unfortunate. You know, I, I really like tools like, um, CBC's vote compass, um, which, which if you guys haven't used for this election yet, you should, you should do. And our listeners, listeners should too. Um, I have convinced some of my, um, uninterested, uneducated, uh, friends and family, uh, to vote just by doing this. And, and actually it's a good summary of what the big issues are and what the big party platform, what, where the party parties stand on, um, on these big issues. And it also gives you a rough idea of where you, you know, your personal opinions lie. It's just a good crash course and intro into, you know, how you should vote and, you know, what, what are the hot topics in this election? And so if I ever hear of anybody that says, you know, I don't vote or I don't know enough or, um, you know, first of all, I'm very internally upset, but second of all, <laughs> uh, second of all, I, I direct them to this vote compass and, um, it's fascinating, really, uh, the results that, that I get every, every election. And, and I, you know, I hope CBC keeps it around because I just think it's the greatest little tool, um, for hopefully increasing that. You know, I think the last election was 56% voter turnout. And yeah, it's really deplorable. Um, and, uh, yeah, so hopefully, yeah. hopefully we can see an increase. Yeah, hopefully that's the, that would be amazing if we've seen an increase, especially in the young, audience. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that was interesting in comparison to Canada is the U.S. and the way that they kind of go about their politics. I think Obama really kind of kick-started this entire social media and digital um, like mm-hmm. PR approach where he kind of, he very much focused on creating campaign content that would impact the press through um, celebrity endorsements. I remember, I think it was back in 2012, maybe 2008, uh, one of his early I think it was the 2008 election. He had um, figured out a way to get Big Bird to create a video um, endorsing him. And I think that what we've seen on this end in Canada is that there's mm. even more of that kind of stuff starting to um, come into our politics, which didn't really exist before, where people are getting um, the support of celebrities, uh, YouTube celebrities, Twitter um 
influencers and things like that. And they're truly trying to drive up that supporter created content um, and use that to kind of influence the press and mm-hmm. get those stories and positive messages out there. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm sh- I'm sure you guys know this, but do you know that the tweet that got the most retweets of all time was Obama, uh, Obama's tweet four more years? Oh, uh, really? yeah. Yeah. I thought it was yeah. Beyonce's pregnancy announcement. Oh, it might have been, it might have beat Obama, but I, I thought I read somewhere that it was, was that before? Did she get pregnant before or after? Cause maybe he was the top one until Beyonce got pregnant. <laughs> four more years. Her kid's not four yet, so. Maybe. So maybe Who it was knows? after. This is, this is a very important question. <laughs> it is yeah. very important. No, like, when did Beyonce was... get pregnant? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I remember Obama being the most retweeted tweet a couple times. He broke it. He broke the record back to back, I think. Um, cause I remember he had the, there was something about Clint Eastwood a while back when Clint Eastwood was talking about Mitt Romney and then Obama sent out a tweet and it was like, this seat's taken because Clint Eastwood was talking to an empty chair. Um, so there was a lot of interesting things right, that he did on his right. campaign <laughs> that really drove a lot of social content. His digital marketing team was, Amazing. I know he's he, and he's amazing. Like I, his comments after in the lieu of the recent shootings, I just yeah, I'm gonna miss him. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, another really big trend. Um, I was just doing a little bit of research online and ta- like trying to find out what what are the big trends here in Canada for the federal election campaign. And it's funny that we've naturally kind of, you know, the U.S. Um, Obama came out with a huge trend in trying to reach younger voters online, and it's starting to spill over here over into Canada because the big trend or one of the big trends is um, these uh, selfie, what they call selfie votes. Um, yeah, so. It's, it was an article in the Montreal Gazette that talked about, um, it said it's a safe bet that the 2015 election campaign would al- already be over if it was based on the amount of selfies that were taken, um, with Justin Trudeau obviously oh. winner's hand down. So it's funny because, um, uh, the, uh, the article also says that these innocent pictures turn into powerful brand building tools for political leaders. The selfies were, uh, we share on social media turn into thousands of public endorsements. Yeah, that's interesting. And you know, you know, Justin Trudeau's got the most by hands down. Well, it's that's not surprising to me. He's a the best looking. I think anybody would probably that. <laughs> the hair. Uh, it's the hair. <laughs> yeah, and also he's the youngest, so he's the most selfie, I guess, aware, amenable. aware. Yeah. Um but yeah, I, uh, that doesn't surprise me at all, but you're right. It is a public endorsement. And if the election was just based on that, I'm quite certain Justin Trudeau would win. <laughs> but no, it's, it's interesting to see that, you know, our, our, you know, it's the, the campaigning is no longer just, it's, it's a combination of in-person because obviously selfies, you've got to be in person with, uh, with the leader or with your, with your MP. Um, but it's, it's leaking on to online as well. And, you know, you take a selfie with Justin Trudeau, it gets retweeted a bunch of times and, you know, there, there are endorsements and potentially voters. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, any other comments on the federal election campaign? Not for me. 
not for me. Um, so again, and we say it at the end of every episode, but if you have any comments or any questions about anything that we've talked about here today, um, please email us at youngprpros at gmail.com or catch us online at facebook.com uh, slash youngprprospodcast or on Twitter at youngprpros, at Christine Darbell, at Kent Julia, and at The Cool is Cool. Thanks, and we'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to Young PR Pros on the FIR Podcast Network, brought to you in association with Lawrence Reagan Communications, serving communicators worldwide for more than 35 years. More information at www.reagan.com. Young PR Pros is a weekly podcast hosted by Christine Darbell and Julia Kent that covers all topics from job hunting skills, such as building resumes and interview tips, to discussions around the state of PR and communications, and how young PR professionals can shape the future of our industry. Young PR Pros is part of the FIR Podcast Network, a series of business podcasts founded by Neville Hobson and Shell Holtz. The anchor podcast in the network is the Hobson and Holtz Report, a weekly show presented since January 2005. For information about the FIR Podcast Network, to see show notes for the podcasts and to subscribe, visit www.forimmediatelease.biz. You can also subscribe via iTunes and other podcast directories. We welcome your comments about Young PR Pros on the FIR Podcast Network. Join the conversation in the FIR community on Google+. Look for the FIR Podcast Community. Or email us at fircomments at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.